Good morning and welcome to Mayflower Church this morning. We're so happy to have you here in person or online. A few announcements to start our service. The first being that um, prayer cards will be taken during the offering if you have personal prayers. Pastor Jonathan, who is joining us today, he will be available for prayers after the service as well. We um, have been asked to keep the Winesmas in our prayers. Um, Eric and Kathy's daughter, Jenna, had a um, perforated ulcer and so is currently in Helen DeVos. We are also asking for prayers for Dawn Krupp, who has been put in hospice. So as you go about your week, please keep these families in your prayers. We have exciting announcements within your bulletin. If you open to your third page... You will see we have the Spring Bazaar is just around the corner. We've had lots of fun things coming our way. A wine and cheese basket came in today, a homemade birdhouse. Anything like that would be lovely for this bazaar. You will also see information about Holy Week. If you can believe it, next week is Palm Sunday, which then we will follow Palm Sunday with a Monday Thursday service in the atrium which will be different from a Monday, Thursday service that we've had before. We're going to have tables in a circle, and we will be sharing a meal as well as the Lord's Supper together during that service. Our Good Friday service is going to be at 6 o'clock Friday night, and we are going to be joined by the Men and Boys Choir, and it will be a special night of remembrance. So please put those events on your calendar. And now I'd like to introduce Julia, our Director of Music, for a moment for music. The choir will be singing during the communion portion of our service this morning. One of the movements from the Foray Requiem, the Sanctus, which is the Holy, Holy, Holy. This is a text that's traditionally part of the communion service. And um, I invite you all, as Rachel mentioned, the Good Friday uh, service a week from this Friday, where we will sing three more movements in addition to this one of the beautiful work of the Foray Requiem. I would like to follow up just a moment on uh, what Julia said and ask you to look at the cover of the bulletin. That is an artist's portrayal of a man named Bartimaeus, who Jesus met on his way to Jerusalem. Well, Bartimaeus is coming to us this morning in the form of my words. And I don't look at all like Bartimaeus. He certainly didn't wear glasses, and he wasn't near as old as I, I'm sure, and had a lot more hair than I have. But as a few weeks ago, when Ruth gave to us a first person of Mary Magdalene, today a first person of Bartimaeus will come. You need to use your imagination a little bit, and uh, perhaps even just close your eyes, and to feel what it must have been like for that man at Jericho to encounter Jesus Christ. So let us now come to worship. Family of God, the roads of our life have led us to this place this day. As we gather as one people, bringing our joy and sorrow, our hope and despair,
our resources and our needs, our certainty and our questions. In this space, we meet the one who parts the sea, who creates the roads, and who becomes the way. And with the psalmist we cry, teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Give us an undivided heart to revere your name.
Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Eternal Christ. Come, our Mother and Father, our Great Parent. Come, Holy Trinity. Let us worship in spirit and truth. Amen. would like to invite my two new friends, Benson and Hudson, to come forward with your families and with your sponsors. They were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Unless we are born of water and spirit, we are not entering the kingdom of heaven. Baptism is a sign and symbol of God's eternal promise. Now, Benson and Hudson... I have a secret for you. God loved you before you were here. And God will never stop loving you. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, it is good. You have been born into a kingdom of love. And now I would like to ask you, is it your desire to have your sons baptized? Will you encourage your sons to renounce the powers of evil and to receive the freedom of the new life in Christ? Will you teach your, ch- your children that they must profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And now a question for all of you. Do you promise by the grace of God to be Christ's disciples, to follow in the way of our Savior, to resist oppression and evil, to work for love and justice, and to witness the work of Jesus Christ as best you are able. If so, say, I do. 
and now to the congregation. We are part of the church universal. We're just one representation. Of Benson and Hudson, this is part of your new family. But your family is all over the earth and all around the cosmos. That's where God's love is. And God's love is inside you. So if you will enjoy, and join me in welcoming these boys uh, to the church, if you're able, please stand and join reading with me. With joy and thanksgiving, we Thank you. Be seated. What is the Christian name of this child? Benson? You don't want you to stay with your daddy. <laughs> Benson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to God's kingdom of love. We love you, Benson. What is the Christian name of this child? Hudson, would you like to come here? Thank you, old buddy. Hudson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. God bless you, everybody. Welcome to the kingdom of love. We'd like to present Hudson and Benson to part of his new uh, part of their new families
Good morning. The reading this morning comes from Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, and can be found beginning on page 715 in your pew Bible. Again, that's Mark, chapter 10, beginning with verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Everything is so different. How can I describe a change so radical, so complete? It, in, it altered the entire course of my living from darkness to light, worthless to valued, idler to industrious, hopeless to ambitious, from stale monotony to breathtaking exuberance. All because, well, I need to back up to tell you. You see, I was, I was born in darkness, blind, never able to see what you so take for granted, never to see the miracle of a sunrise or the blazing glory of a sunset in the desert, never to see the smile of a child or the eyes of a lover, Never able to catch a ball or throw an arrow at a target. Never able to dodge the blow of a soldier. I was a nobody, a parasite, a blind mouth living off the garbage of others. I didn't even have a name. They called me Bartimaeus, which means the son of a man named Timaeus. They didn't even care to give me my name. Oh, yes. I was a reject, a discard on the dung heap of life. My only friends were other cast-offs, whitened lepers, the crippled of all ages, 
the sick, the deaf. We were looked at as no more than a hunk of deformed flesh. I lived in Jericho, a city pleasant enough, by your measure in miles, 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem and five miles west of the River Jordan. A beautiful city, they say, as if I could tell. It had been recently refurbished by the Herodian kings who made it the site of their magnificent winter palace. City of Roses, it was called. But I must now tell you about the day that changed everything. It began like, well, like any other day. Waking up in the stable where I slept, I stretched, got on my feet, and began tapping my way along the familiar twists and turns that led to the main gate of Jericho. Along the way, I was able to beg a crust of bread at a familiar stop. And arriving at the gate, I, I found my regular place there with the other beggars, and I drew my greasy cloak tight around me because though it was spring, it took the sun to melt the chill. It was the high season of the year for those of us who begged for a living. Passover, the highest feast in our Jewish festivals of the year. The roads were jammed with pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And Jericho was both a junction point and a resting place for those travelers. The journey up the hill to the sacred city took about six hours. But the pilgrims usually spent the night in Jericho and then got an early start to avoid the heat and the thieves. No one wanted to be on that road after sundown. The jagged stone cliffs with dark shadows creating hiding places on the canyon through which the road passed became a haven for thieves. Almost every week there were reports of beatings, robberies. Well, I took my place at the gate, as I had for so many days before, and I listened as the city around me came to life. Though I couldn't see, my ears had become my eyes. You learn to listen carefully to every rustle of the breeze. If you hear a leather strap of a guard's whip or a soldier's uniform, you want to disappear. It could mean a merciless beating is at hand. But if you hear the swish of silk, perhaps a piece of silver in your cup. In that early morning, there came a donkey loaded with melons for the market. And after the donkey, women, several women, with balancing pitchers of water on their head, returning from the fountain back to the toil of their homes. And then a woman with an enormous heap of twigs on her head. Then several soft-footed camels swaying under the load of Araby spices. Then a mule laden with fish for the market in Jerusalem. As they passed, I began to raise my beggar's cry. I practiced it for years. A large, loud, sharp, clear, 
it pierced the night like a jackal's howl in winter's night. Alms, alms, alms for the blind, I cried. But as always, it was just ignored. Time passed. And then my sensitive ear heard an approach of an unusual procession. The hum of a great crowd and the shuffling of many feet. First came young boys running with their shrill cries. And then people came came rushing out of the gate to see what was going on. I listened intently and then reaching out my hand, I seized the skirt of one of the passerbys and called out, What's happening? Where's everyone going? Snatching his skirt from my grasp, the passerby hurried on, but as he went... He shouted over his shoulder, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, I don't know who that man was who shouted that message to me. He hardly slowed down. But I'll tell you, I'll never forget him. He told me that Jesus was passing by. Jesus. I'd heard of him. Well, the whole country had a prophet. Amazing. They told of his astonishing teaching, of his challenging of authority. But most of all, how he had a special place for the forgotten, for the rejects like me. The sick, the lame, the scandalized, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and also the blind. I'd heard that he had opened the eyes of the blind. Now listen, when you're a blind beggar, you leap at any straw of promise. And so my heart began to race. And I thought maybe, just maybe he would take notice of me, work his magic, transform my blindness. So into the desperate and hostile darkness of my world, I cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The indignant crowd told me to shut my mouth. They don't want the likes of me to be seen, let alone heard. Shut up, man. There'll be a beating for you. There'll be jail, no doubt. But like the cry of Joshua that brought down the walls of this city so long ago, I raised my voice all the more. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The proud crowd began to push on, then surged ahead. And I sank down in darkened despair. He had passed. No hope. But in a moment that I can't describe, it was, well, the movement of the crowd stopped and hush fell. I could feel eyes turn on me. I was frightened. And then I heard a voice. Not, not the harsh voice of a synagogue soldier. But soft, forceful, kind, saying, 
Bring him to me. People immediately changed. You lucky fellow. He's calling you. For the first time in my life, someone was calling for me. He wanted me. I was always wanting something. Calling to someone to do something for me. But all I'd ever heard was, be gone, get out of the way, noisy beggar. But now it was different. They said, get up. Get up. He's calling you. Like a buck in the spring, I leapt to my feet, threw my staff in one direction and my worm-eaten robe in another, and hurried toward Jesus. My hands groped their way through the crowd until face to face I stood before him. I was trembling, filled with more hope than I knew the universe contained. What had happened? Divine power and compassion face to face with human need. Then he asked me. He asked me a simple, simple question. What do you want me to do for you? No one had ever asked me that. What do I want? Never before had anyone seen beyond my beggarly clothes and looked into my heart. Well, I tell you, here was a beggar who knew what he wanted. But I'd like to pause here in my story and play with the imagination. What would you have said? If you were me. Fill this tin cup to overflowing. Cash. I want cash. Or give me a warm robe for these rags. Or give me a house instead of a barn to sleep in. Or maybe make me a ruler of the people. Or perhaps... Give me a good-paying job like Zacchaeus, who lives here in this town. Or perhaps the best corner at the gate for my begging. It would double my yearly income, no doubt. But no. I asked for none of those things, and I don't think you would have either. I asked for the one thing that I wanted. Lord, that I might receive my sight. He didn't raise any questions. He didn't ask for any pledges. He didn't say, well now see to it that you don't sin again. He didn't say, I need to know that you'll always speak correct theology. You'll always be kind and nice to everyone. He spoke. And his speech was charged with action. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. I could see 
I could see for the first time, I saw a crowd of human beings just like me. The walls and the palm groves of Jericho, the sky so blue above him, the hills of Moab in the distance. But that was not the first thing that I saw. The first thing that I saw was the face of Jesus. The one who had given me sight. And I tell you, I can still see it. And sometimes when life gets hard, even harder than before, because you see, now I have family, the job and responsibilities. Sometimes I just close my eyes. And I see, I see the face of Jesus. Do you hear that he said to me, go your way, free to go, to move about on my own, to make choices? Well, the first choice I made, was to fix these seeing eyes on him. So I followed him up the road, those 18 miles to Jerusalem and the holy city. I followed, hovering on the fringe of an ever-growing crowd. At first, (laughs) it was so great. Why, on the first day of the week, as we were approaching Jerusalem, on the hill just above the city, people came out with palm branches and they sang and they shouted, Hosanna! And Jesus, riding on a donkey, they they laid their garments before Him. They praised Him and praised Him as the Messiah, the One sent from God. But then, it changed. I can't, I can't describe it. Just to say that when I, when I woke from the place that I had found for shelter on Friday morning, I looked for him. But I couldn't find him on that Friday. I followed a crowd. Angry. Surly. Some of them agonized and weeping and others just mean. And we went up a small hill, a skull-shaped hill. And on that hill, there were three crosses. And in the middle cross, I saw the agonized face of the one who had given me sight. Jesus was crucified. I don't know what it all means. But I do believe, and I'm here to tell you, that even today, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He calls you. And if you turn and come, Come to Him. He would say to you, What do you want me to do for you?
Are you at a crossroads? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Let's continue worshiping by giving to God. It is time for our tithes and offerings.
please be seated. This morning, we are going to celebrate in our traditional manner for the first time, I believe, since the quarantine started for COVID. The rate is down, and the ushers will serve you in your seats. This is not Mayflower's table. This is the table of Christ. This is not the table we come to when we're worthy. This is the table where we are invited. This is the table, if we're like Bartimaeus, we can wonder what just happened. Do you believe in consubstantiation? Do you believe in transubstantiation? Do you believe that Christ is really present? Do you believe this is a memorial service? Are you struggling with your faith and don't know what you believe? Are you at a point where you're saying, please, I can't take this anymore. Well, no matter where you are, you're welcome at this table. This is the table of Christ. And Christ turns away no one. So come from the east and come from the west. Come from the north and come from the south. Man or woman, young or old, Gentile or Jew, come to the feast, for all is ready. Come to the feast. great theologian and mystic, Meister Eckhart, said one prayer is sufficient. Thank you. In his tradition, let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your support. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the joys of family and friends and little ones that we baptize. We thank you that we have a chance to reconcile with our enemies. And we thank you most of all 
for the gifts of this table and your invitation. Thank you and hear us as we sing the great mystery of faith. Come, Holy Spirit, be with us in the way you choose and these gifts of bread and wine. Come, Lord Jesus, comforter, comfort us. night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and said, this is my body, broken for you, ministering to you in the name of the risen Christ. We share the bread.
This is the body of Christ. In the same manner, he took the cup and said, This is the cup poured out for the sins of many. As often as you drink of it, you do so in remembrance of me. The cup of salvation, ministering to you in the name of the risen Christ, we share the cup.
This is the cup of salvation. Drink all of it. Let us pray, and let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father, After they were finished with that first communion, they went out into the garden and sang a hymn. Let's raise our voices together in praise of God.
Steve is a bit under the weather today, and uh, that's why your bulletin is incorrect and I had more of a role than we had originally intended. I will go to the back to say goodbye to anyone and then come back into the sanctuary for anyone who would like to say an individual prayer. So go from this place in this time of Lent knowing that the sacrifice was for us. Go from this place during this Lent and know that we are called in love. Go from this place and know that we, whatever we do or say will not separate us from the love of God. Sit by the roadside and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.